to the Homeschool Works podcast, the show where we break down the research from the fields of neuroscience, psychology, and education to give you tangible takeaways to power your homeschool. I'm Katherine Gomes, a second-generation homeschooler and author of Apologia's Exploring Creation with Mathematics program. And I'm joined by my mom, Dr. Deborah Bell, an author, speaker, educational psychologist, and homeschool guru. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you have ever lost your keys or taught your child something only to have them immediately forget it, you know that short-term memory or working memory is limited, and that can be one of the great hurdles, it feels like, in our homeschools. Well, today I'm interviewing my mom about chunking, which is one of the best tools for increasing how much our kids can hold in their working memory at any given time. All right. Well, thanks for joining me again, Mom. It's been lots of fun. Well, this is great to see you so often, Kate. (laughs) Yeah, this is our excuse, right, to hang out. Um, We want to talk about chunking today. Um, And I think this is going to be another great tool for homeschool parents. Can you let us know what is chunking? Okay, so chunking is a is a teaching strategy based on um, our understanding of how working memory works. So it used to be called short-term memory, uh, and there's a reason it is called short-term memory because memory, what you learn or what you hold in that memory is short. So working memory is now the preferred term, and it's where you work on new information. But like its previous term, short-term memory, it is referring to the fact that whatever you're working on is limited. So it's it's unlike long-term memory, which is pretty unlimited in terms of its storage capacity, but working memory is very limited. And what we found is that most people can only hold five to seven pieces of information in working memory at a time. Um, if you want to find out what your, it's called digit span. I'm not quite sure why, but if you want to find out what your digit span is or what one of your kids digit spans might be for working memory a good um a good game to play is to take 10 random objects and put them on a tray so get a comb and get a spoon get a hammer get a get a crayon get a bunch of of different things from around the house from different categories uh and put 10 10 to 12 of them on there and um show that tray to your child or your spouse and ask them to memorize the items that are on there and give them about, uh, let's say 15 seconds to do that and then take it away. And they have to recall They have to see how many they can then recall after you you take it away as kids. (laughs) I didn't know you were testing us. I want to try this because I have a theory that each kid is one piece of info in your working memory. So every time you have another kid, you have one less space. Oh, for, for you personally? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. my, so that's why I can't find my keys is because I have to remember if, that one kid. Three, yeah, so five, three of kids. My, five of my digits are already yes, consumed so by the fact that I have three spots. <laughs> two spots. 
spots. My left. wallet and my keys. <laughs> okay. Now, so anyways, okay. So there's this reality that working memory is limited. And it really, I if you find out when you test yourself or you test your kids that they don't have a, a pretty wide digit span, and this is decreases as you age, um, that can be easily overcome. And chunking is how you're going to do it. That's one strategy. I'm, I'm working my way towards this strategy. I did want to say, though, for some people who are on the higher end of digit span, sometimes we say, oh, they have photographic memories, which is not a thing. But it, it, what we think that is, the fact that people have this phenomenal recall um, is probably because their digit span might be nine, right? Like okay. five, to, five to seven is normal. Some kids with learning disabilities or delays might be three to four. So you can see how this in a school setting puts those kids at such a disadvantage because the teacher is presenting way too much new information and maybe it's enough for average kids to manage. But if you have a more limited working memory capacity, you're, you're losing it. And then other kids who might have a digit span of nine, um, they're just, you know, they, they can, they can really manipulate some pretty complex ideas in their heads and be making rapid connections um, because they're just able to handle so much new information at once in working memory. But yeah. all of us lose it, right? And if we don't learn whatever, what if we don't learn whatever there is to be learned about having that, those, that information, that new information uh, in working memory, if it doesn't move into long-term memory, we're going to forget it. Which is, you know, which is good. I, whenever I introduce this to like my students at co-op, you don't want to be remembering all this useless information. I tend to give them the illustration of, I know the weather from August 14th, 2010, because it was my wedding day. So it was meaningful, but I don't know the weather from August 21st, 2010. Like, would you want all these pieces of information that were not meaningful and aren't useful to you just crowding your brain? So I always tell them to get it to long-term memory, you need to make it meaningful or tell your brain, this is useful. You have to keep this. Algebra two makes it into long-term memory. And the, that right there is related to chunking. Like that, how, why you remember the weather from your wedding days, because it was a meaningful day for you. So you're able to store that. So here's, here's how chunking uh, parents and teachers can use chunking and even self-aware students can use chunking. So you say you have five buckets in working memory. You can put an unlimited amount of information into each one of those buckets. If you chunk it, and by chunk it, that means, you know, you kind of smush it together in a way that makes it a whole and you chunk by creating connections and discovering relationships and having a shortcut for why all of that random information is in that one bucket and what's the name of that bucket, right? So um, once you start to understand English grammar, you can have a, a one chunk of English grammar related uh, data that you're working with in one of your buckets in working memory because you've learned the connection. I know before I became an English teacher, I had no idea 
that there was any relationship between all of the rules and conventions of English grammar. I was under the impression that a group of old men in England around Shakespeare's time came up with a bunch of rules. That- right right now, part of me is like, are you telling me it's not random? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to ask her about that later. <laughs> but I see what you're saying. If you have a structure for it, you can recall it. Um, I'm thinking about Joseph when he was learning world history, like the whole first semester of world history, it was just like in one year out one because he had no frame He'd of reference. He'd never seen the world, Katie. He didn't I know where it's... Europe was. But then yeah. second semester, he cracked me up because he said, I think I know what's going to happen. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, this is what happens. There's an empire. They gain power. <laughs> they expand. They go to big quickly. They can't rule it. And then they have internal problems and they collapse. And I was like, here we go. Like this, let me just, but I actually had never formed that sort of schema for, but then he was able to remember things because he was like, oh, probably fits together this way. Yes. And you just used an educational term there, schema, which is sort of this scaffolding or this infrastructure that we recognize. So anyway, so chunking is when we as teachers and parents point out and show kids how to make those connections. Or So if I was trying to teach world history to an elementary kid who'd never really left home, I would have a lot of maps around. We'd be watching videos. We'd be talking about getting on an airplane and how far you can fly on an airplane to help people kind, to help kids in elementary kind of just deal with the abstraction of the world and then the history of the world, right? Hey everybody, this is Deb. I started AIM Academy in 2011 and we've had double digit and sometimes triple digit growth every year. We now offer more than 150 classes taught by more than 30 teachers for homeschool students 4th through 12th. You can choose from seven week, 16 week semester or full year classes in all subject areas. Our approach to teaching online is research driven. Our goal, your child's success, measured by academic achievement, increased interest in learning, and personal satisfaction in reaching their goals. If you'd like to know more, please stop by DebraBell.com and see what AIM Academy can do for your family. Um, So I do have a little test, a quiz that I often give uh, to kids to illustrate the power of chunking. And I thought we could do that with our podcast listeners. Okay, go ahead. Um, So I am going to give you 10 random numbers and I want you to memorize them. um, And then after I read them off, um, I'll recall them for you and we'll see how many you're able to retain. So they should try to pause it and write them down, I guess, to see if they no, can recall. memorize them. Don't write them down. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the no, that I meant when they try to recall them, oh, they should okay. try to write yes. them down so they could check their answer. I guess you could also cheat if you want <laughs> and write these down and then be impressed with yourself. Okay. Yeah, don't write them down until I ask you to recall them. All right? Okay. So here they are. They're 10. 12, 3, 
24, 17, 91, 16, 46, 8, 71, 39. Okay, go ahead and try to write down as many as you can remember. All right, I'm going to read them back to you now so you can see how many you can recall. 12, 3, 24, 17, 91, 16, 46, 8, 71, 39. Now, whenever I do this, Katie, um, I, I think whenever I do this, um, I do often have people who will have gotten nine, eight or nine of them. Wow. Yeah, but nor but it definitely I'll ask people to raise their hands if they got all 10, if they got 9, 8, 7. So around 7 when I uh, I'll start to see more hands, 6 and 5 will be the most and I don't go lower than 5, but I certainly have people in the room who can't even recall five of them, but I do know that anybody who gets more than 7 had figured out how to chunk these. Uh, random numbers. I'm not saying that of these 10 that I just read off, that, that they there found would be a way. a way, but I, they had some system. If so you then got I, a high response on this, message us, listeners. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you we did. We want to know what you did. <laughs> uh, well, I have another set of 10 numbers. Let me try this again, Kate, now that people know how it works. I'll give you another set of, of 10 numbers. Again, memorize them, and then I'll ask you to recall them. Are you ready? Yes. 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, 42, 49, 56, 63, 70. Go ahead and see how many you can recall. When I do this with a live audience, people start laughing around the fifth one that I read. And when I ask people like, well, how many of you got all 10? Can we call all 10? Like the whole room raises their... Yes, I felt so happy. <laughs> well, a you should have heard me with the first set. I was like, prime. that one's prime. No, wait, if you multiply that, like my math brain was trying to make that first set make sense. Yeah. So, so why can people remember, um, state the obvious here, Kate, like why can people remember the first set? and not the second. Why can they remember the second set, not the first set? They're multiples of seven. And so we've so already- So right memorized. there is the analysis. That's the connection. That's the relationship. Once you realize that these 10 numbers are all multiples of seven, you can put that, you can put that in one area of working memory right now. In fact, you can remember that indefinitely. If um, I- if we ask our listeners next time, next week, you know, when they listen to the podcast, what were the second set of numbers? They're going to be able to generate all of them, right? Because it's now in long-term memory. So right. chunk chunking really allows you to handle large amounts of information. Um, but kids have to be taught the connections. It's not obvious to them. Well, it wouldn't have helped if I didn't know my multiplication. You know, and I'm just realizing, oh, a second grader wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, 
Like it would just be random numbers to them. Exactly. I mean, you could even be doing it with a middle school group and it would take them much longer than it took the adults to realize what the, I mean, what the pattern is. Right. But all that's to say when we're working with our kids and they're learning a lot of, of new information, like I think we could work with your world history example with Joseph when he was in third grade, which is, is really an abstraction for a third grader. Um, there's a parents have to actively be helping kids make sense of all this historical information. Like they don't really have much history personally to even realize like how things used to be is different from how things are today. I mean, how did you help him kind of, figure out how to learn that information or what was the teacher doing or how did Joseph kind of make sense of world history when he didn't really have much background knowledge about it. I mean, whenever possible, we are making ties to our own world. Like, Oh, well, we know someone who's originally from that part of the world or here's something that happened to us. That's a little bit similar. Like, um, but the other big thing that has helped because we're trying to make it meaningful, right. Is historical fiction and uh-huh. stories from that time. And that's when it really clicks. Cause like, well, remember when you read about Felicity and she didn't drink the tea and why didn't she drink the tea? And there's an emotional connection to when Felicity decided not to drink the tea that then makes this fact about there was a tea boycott meaningful, I think, because, you know, they like Felicity, (laughs) even if they don't necessarily um, have a meaningful connection to colonial America at that point. Yeah. But so then they have this, but then they start to make this bucket that let's say is called colonial America, life in colonial America. Now here's an aside that I want to point out though, so I don't forget it, is that kids have misconceptions So our brains are designed to chunk. So our brains are already pre-programmed to look for patterns and to make connections. But one of the charming things about children is they will make very um, odd, illogical connections, right? And so misconceptions is a big part of of learning, but teachers and parents can't really see those misconceptions. And so that's how- Until they say something very funny. (laughs) Right. You're like, oh, <laughs> that was a little uh, overlook there. Yeah. So they remember. So they learned something. They just might have learned it incorrectly, or they've learned it with a bunch of misconceptions. But at least they've got it. It's in their brain, and that you know, you want to, you really want to be dialoguing with your kids, and you want to be, I think, explicitly uh, illustrating how you make connections or how to make connections. I mean, if I was doing history our geography, I'm definitely going to have timelines and maps, which I think homeschoolers excel at. I think that that's been a big part of the homeschool community for decades when it's often overlooked in a traditional classroom, but those are frameworks and those are authentic frameworks. So a map is a representation of the real world and a timeline is a representation of the real concept of time. 
And even if kids don't have everything quite organized correctly, right, if they drew a map of the world, it might look kind of funny, like some of those ancient maps before we started sailing and exploring, or their timeline about who lived when in history could be really jumbled up. But if you keep working on that, I don't know if you remember when we were homeschooling that we were making a timeline around the on the walls in our family room, and I was having you... Uh, make draw pictures of different historical uh, people that we were studying and putting them on this timeline around the room. And we did that for a number of years as a way to sort of help you start to kind of uh, create this, at least chronological, a sense of a chronological order to history. No, I love that you use that illustration of something we added to over several years. Cause the one thing that popped into my mind is that like the more you chunk, the easier it is to chunk future information. And so whatever subject you're using, maybe science, you know, first kids are making connections and they're learning about animals and different classifications, but then, you know, as they learn more advanced science, they link that information on to things they already know. And so you have more and more background knowledge and it's easier and easier for kids to find a connection um, as they get into the more advanced subjects, Um, which is why, you know, one of our main goals with the young kids is just lots of background knowledge, lots of reading aloud and just giving them a broad view of all kinds and of things. lots of experiences, lots of, of exploration of the concrete world and, I mean, I always have felt like the best way to approach learning about the world is like from the child's neighborhood on out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, so I do know it's kind of a thing to learn world history pretty early in the homeschool movement. I just think parents need to realize that that's pretty abstract. And so if you can be learning about the history of your family and then the history of your community and then the history of the United States and then the history of the world, it's a little bit easier to link those up. If you do it in reverse order or in random order, which is fine with me, I just think parents need to recognize uh, the the concept, the limitations of working memory and the need to help kids chunk that information. And right now they don't have any connections, right? When they're like kindergarten, they have very few connections. So they don't know how to categorize. They're only connections themselves. <laughs> they're five. So you better connect it to them. Yeah, <laughs> they're not the stories. Memory. Yeah. The stories you've read to them and the experiences they've had, but, and as you pointed out, I mean, uh, the older they get, the more they've categorized and they've categorized correctly. And so that's why high school is you can have this mass of new knowledge and skills that you're just, what you're asking kids to learn in high school is, is like a, is like a mountain compared to what you ask them to learn in kindergarten. And why that's possible is because the good, the kids who have become efficient learners have learned how to categorize. If your child doesn't know how to categorize and look for relationships and analyze and see those uh, connections and how it relates to other disciplines and other um, people and other times and other places, if they, if they don't know how to categorize, then they're going to be overwhelmed by high school. I think that's 
a big part of kids struggling in high school. We say they don't have enough background knowledge. I think they haven't developed enough skill for how to categorize new information and skills. That's all we have for you today. You can find my mom, Dr. Deborah Bell, at DebraBell.com. And you can find Catherine on Facebook at Catherine M. Gomes or on Instagram as Homeschool Math Mom. Her math books and my homeschool planners are available at Apologia.com. If you have a moment, please review our podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. It makes a big difference in other homeschoolers finding us. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you've got this.